Hey guys, this is Naeem and you've reached the Mosaic Church Podcast. So excited that you're part of our listening community and I'd love for you to be even more connected. So check out our website. There's more content there and there's more opportunities for you to get connected in our ministries and events as well. Also, love for you to share this content. If this is blessed to you, I know that God wants to use you to bless other people with it. So share this podcast, if you will. Lastly, would you consider supporting this ministry? This is made possible by other people's generosity, and I'd love for you to pay it forward. Join us to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus together. So would you consider giving to this ministry? I know that God is able to do immeasurably more through us when we come together. Thank you so much. God bless you. Enjoy. Good morning. Yes. Yes. So good to be with you guys. Good to join you on live stream as well. It is just wonderful uh, to, to be here. I'll tell you what, I woke up with a lot of hope. I don't know why, I just woke up with a lot of hope, partly because uh, last night we had a, our first ever, 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 ever uh, tree lighting, Christmas tree lighting uh, event, extravaganza, and it was, it was awesome. It was wonderful. It was great. And the tree came on, so that was good, right? It lit up. It actually lit up. So it was, it was wonderful. Thanks for coming out. Uh, uh, yep. So if you're a guest here, and I know we have new people all, all the time, we, uh, we do these, uh, these series of conversations. So we're in the middle of a conversation right now called GLOW. And so that's what we're going to be talking about. But really quick, though, I want to ask you guys a question, uh, especially for those of you who are online as well. Uh, definitely let people know, your hosts know in the chat. Uh, here's the question. Do you guys like musicals? You guys like musicals? Right? You like musicals, right? So here's a person that I think should really like musicals that does not like musicals. He is a music guy. It's Sean, Pastor Sean, yes, who leads worship. He does not like musicals. I told him about a movie. It's called Night's Tale. Anybody watch Night's Tale by any chance? Okay, some people. Okay, those of you who have not, you need to do yourself a favor and get to see that movie, okay? It's an old movie classic, I think. It's awesome. Okay. It's, it's, it's legendary. Anyways. And so I told him about it and he was like, oh yeah, I tried to watch it twice. <laughs> see, see, I'm like, you know what? You know, the boy just needs to meet Jesus. Number one, then he'll like music. No, no. But, uh, it's, it's interesting to me that he does not like musicals. Now the movie though, that I'm passionate about the, the night's tale is because it's, there's so much about the movie. I don't know why I connect with, but there's one particular line in the movie that I'm like, Oh man, so good. Okay. So it's this little boy talking to his dad and um, it's, it's set up, it's set in like the, the, in medieval times in a sense. And, uh, and so this kid looks up to his dad and he says, uh, Father, is it possible for a man to change his stars? To change his stars. So basically he's talking about change the course of his destiny. And there's a guy right next to him who hears the little boy ask the father, and the guy goes, no, no, that's, that's, just, that's, uh, that's just childish. No, no man can change his stars, like what's written in destiny. And then father turns to the little boy and says, William, William. If a man really wants, he can change his stars. And his eyes glow up, you know, he's like, okay. And the whole movie is about this guy who's not born into nobility and pursues something great. And he has this hope, and the movie is all about hope. And so that's what I really want to talk about this morning is hope. What I woke up with, hope. Are, are you filled with hope uh, this morning? We talk about being a voice of hope. We are, love that word. We have hope, hope everywhere. The building, I don't know if you know, is called what? The Hope Center. 
We're all about it. We're all about it. Not because we have hope, but more than that, more than that, those of you who do not know, I don't want you to just have hope. I want you, recruit you to be a hope dealer. Yes, I know. Cheesy, cheesy, very cheesy. See, there's dad jokes and then there are preacher jokes. Those are worse. But turn to your neighbor and say, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a hope dealer. I'm a hope dealer. Now, some of you guys are like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Listen, just turn to them and say, I'm a hope dealer, yo. Yes. Yes. I do what I deal. I smoke what I sell. Anyway, no, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. So let's talk about hope. Do you have hope this morning? So why are we talking about that? Because the series of conversations we're having are basically this idea of like, what does it look like for us to glow? What it means to look for us to be a light in this world. So let's go to our passage and we'll jump right in. Our first passage or the passage that we've used the last couple of weeks, it's found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 and 16. It says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a light is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, in the same way, let your, help me out, let your what? Good deeds shine out for those to see. So everyone will praise your heavenly Father. You see, the, the, the idea of this passage is basically you, not just you, but us, you, we as a collective can be a light in this dark world. And the way we do this is not just by our intentions and not just by our prayers, but actually our good, good Deeds are good works. Are like so relationship with God, you get that you have free access. You don't have to prove your worth to be in his presence. But if you're going to manifest God, if you're going to show the world that God really exists, if you're going to be proof of life that God exists, you and I, the church, need to do good works. It's un, we cannot deny it. We can't go over it. No, no, no. There's not a, no amount of prayer, friends. I mean, and I love prayer. I believe supernatural things take place, but we've got to actually do the work. And so the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about that. What does it look like? Well, the first week was, hey, if, if we're going to be light, we need to be here in this world to help. And the next week was, we're here to heal. We, we are healers. And then oh, the last week I talked about we're here to hold, hold people's hands and not let go of relationships just because people start acting crazy and people be crazy. They are. You got them in your family. You know. You're probably sitting next to one. Right? So, but today we talk about we're here to hope, that we are here to hope. Because I don't know if you know this, but there are people around you who are hopeless, or oh, they seem hopeless. I am convinced that there's no one who is hopeless. That there's no one that is, be, uh, is beyond repair in a sense. And in fact, uh, I think what, what happens is that if you ask someone, do you have hope this morning? They're like, no, I don't. No, I, or they go, no, 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 I, I just think the world is hopeless. I think the world is trash. I think everything is messed up. I think, I think uh, there's more bad than there's good. And I was talking to a person just this week about it like trying to convince them that I, I just believe there's more good. There's, there's more good. And I, I truly believe that. But do you believe that? And so this series is a conversation that we've been having, and it's been like years, like every year we do this series. Because I want, I want to remind us about who we are and the responsibility that we have. And so if you know, 
um, we've, when I kicked off the series, I talked about that we, we talk about being a light practically, but then we also connect like a giving part of that, like a, an offering to it, like a Christmas offering or end of year offering. Like for some of you who are thinking as business leaders, you're like, I want to give, like we have end of year giving, we got to give money away. Well, we are a great investment. We are, we are, we are, okay? Um, if those of you who are like, you know what, I want to give Christmas offering, I want to give some money away. We had a goal this year to raise $70,000 to do three things. Number one, we wanted to uh, fund all our missions projects, local and global, because we have partners, local and global, that count on us. And so what we decided to do is every year, we would just raise the money up front, so going into next year, we would never have to go, hey, hey, we don't have enough money coming in, we cannot fulfill our commitments. So what we do is we just go, we raise the money this year for next year. And it's the smartest thing we've ever done. And we don't do a lot of smart things. <laughs> but that was smart. So we, we said, okay, let's do that. So that's the first goal. The second is for us to year, end the year in the black. Like we don't want to, um, we want to end the year in the black, not in the red. And so the 70K will help us do that. And then lastly, we want to uh, hire some uh, next generation people, some kids staff and youth staff. And so I just want to say thank you for those of you who understand this. You've heard this and you've already given. And in fact, like uh, uh, we were trying to raise $70,000 to this point, we brought in about twenty-nine dollars or $30,000, so that's about 42%. And so, thank you, thank you, and we can give it up for whoever, right? Okay, but that is awesome. So we're going to keep on going, and we've got a couple of weeks till the end of the year, and let's hit that 70. I think we can do that. I think we can do that, okay? So thank you for that. Now let's jump in, jump into the conversation. So I'm going to take you to an interesting story. And so every week I've talked to you about a Jesus story, a gospel story, and where he illustrates the point that we're trying to uh, kind of study, right? And so what does it look like for us to hope in this world? Uh, wh what does that look like? What does that mean, right? And so I want to jump into a story found in John, and it's a story basically about this uh, um, this incident that takes place where Jesus talks to a woman at the well. Now, those of you who maybe read the Bible or, or the New Testament, you're like, oh, the, the woman at the well story, I know that. Okay, so I want to go there, but I need to set it up a little bit because I think for so many of us, like we, we've read the Jesus stories and we've kind of been taught that there's only one way to look at it. And so my goal is in life, honestly, is always to take the scriptures and go, well, what about this? Well, how about this angle? And did you know in the Middle East? And did you know? Well, let's just look at it in a different light. And so before I go into it, because I'm convinced this uh, story of the woman at the well is all, all about hope and how we need to be hope. We need to first start off with defining what hope is. Like what is hope and why is it important? Because for all of us, we think hope is a dream. We think hope is like something like, I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of, just kind of, you know, crossing my fingers and, and just kind of uh, hoping it works. But what is really hope? And so I want to give you kind of a definition in a sense. But I'm going to go to Hebrews first, okay? We're going to get to John, but let's go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And if you are a Bible reader, you're like, I know that passage, but it's a faith passage. I know. But I think it's a hope passage. So it starts off and it says this. Help me out. Okay, let's read this out loud. If you are listening uh, at home, you can read this out loud as well. Join us. It starts off and says what? Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the 
evidence of things we cannot see. You cannot see. Hope is the reality of what we hope for. Hope is what activates faith. You see, you don't need faith if you don't have any hope. If you don't have any hope, you don't need faith. You don't need big faith. See, people who have big faith have a bigger hope. There's something inside of them that says there's something invisible that, that, that's in the future that I somehow attach my present to, and I'm moving towards it. See, we think faith is for the future. No, faith is for the present. Faith is like we get up and you do it. Like So right, right now, this morning, you guys got up. Most of you took showers. I don't know. Most of you. Okay? You got up. You are here. Turn to your person next to you and say, I'm here. I'm here. Barely, but I'm here. I'm here. You made it. You made it. What did you do? What did you do? That, was, that is your faith acting out. You got up and go, I'm going to do this. I don't want to be here, but I'm, going to, I'm not going to jump online, but I want to do this. I got to do this. I know. Because some of us, some of us, if you have this hope, this hope that God's going to talk to you, you jump online. You have this hope that maybe, just maybe, then you will say something that makes sense to me. <laughs> then I'm going to be here. You see, you're here because you have a hope that's greater, always greater than your faith. Because faith needs to work. But there, faith is out of a job when there is no hope. It has nothing to do. And so for us, hope as followers of Jesus, as people as called the church, we, that is our lifeblood. Because hope is also the one thing that man can ruin humanity. Here, what Proverbs says, Proverbs 13 says, hope defers makes the heart, help me out, what? What's that word? Sick. But a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Some of us, uh, we, we're, we're, we're heartbroken. We're heartbroken. We've been heartbroken for a long time. And the reason is, is because, man, it, it, there, there was a hope and it was deferred. It was, it was a hope that we have not yet realized. We thought at this season I would be, we would be um, here, but we're not here. We're not even close to here. We're somewhere else. For some of us, it's like, Man, I, I just thought that I would not be, um, man, I would be, like, have you ever thought this? Uh, I would be a better person. Like, I would be stronger. Have you ever thought that? Like, I thought by now, I'd be, like, out of my insecurities, right? Like, I'm in my 40s, okay, all, almost out of my 40s, and I'm thinking, I think of some things that I struggle with, and I go, damn, it's about time, though. You need to get over this. It's about time, right? And then you go, oh, man, I'll always deal with this. I'll always struggle with that. I'll, I'll, she'll always be like this. Or our relationship will always just be whatever it is. Just always be. Hope deferred makes your heart sick. It makes it sick. So what do we do? What do we do? we got to get out of that. Because hopelessness ends up uh, leading our lives in a particular way. And so this is where the story of, the G- of Jesus Meeting the woman at the well just comes to life. And so here's this woman, right? Here's this woman, and here's this man, the Messiah, and they're having a conversation. So let's jump in. It's John 4, uh, verse 4 through 18. And so it says here that now he, Jesus, had to go through Samaria. Now, 
he had to go through Samaria because he was going uh, to uh, Jerusalem, but the thing is that he didn't have to really uh, go through it. He wanted to go through it, and most people avoided that place. But he came to a town, it says, in Samaria called Sakar, near, um, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as uh, he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. And we'll stop right there. So there's a lot of things going on here. What, where, why, why is this region one of those places that people wanted to avoid? Why is this such a taboo? It kind of insinuates that in the passage here. Here's why. Because the Babylonian empire that, that, that ravished the Jewish nation. If you, hear, if you read historically what happened to the Jewish nation, the Babylonian empire, the Babylonian uh, occupation, uh, oppression uh, was the worst, okay? And the reason why it was worse was because Babylonians were pretty much like modern-day Iraq, so they went to like Israel, and then they took all the people that they wanted and exiled them into their own land. So it was not just genocide, but it was like this, this um, um, assimilation, like, I will take you and we'll raise your next generation to be Babylonian instead of Jewish. It was a subversive, very historical, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe the, uh, the Babylonian Empire did this. And so what they did was they would go in, take the people and exile them, but they would leave a certain group of people. And these people who were not exiled were people that they considered, the Babylonians considered, not useful people. Okay, they were like the not the losers, but they were like, oh, we just don't want these people. We want the best of the best of the best, and we'll move them. So the people who got exiled, if you ever read the Bible, it it means that these people were special. They had talent in one sense, but those people were the marginalized. They were the people who were not really there. Now, while those people were still in their hometown, hometown, when all the other people were gone to modern day Iraq, Babylon, these people started just generations grew and they intermarried. And when they intermarried, what happened is, is that they formed a new ethnic group, which were called the Sumerians, the Samaritans. They became this group that was Jewish, for sure, but now that the majority of Jewish people were left, they started to just... The, the culture started to change. Their, uh, their, their superstition, their, the way they, um, they practiced Judaism changed. And then... Then the Jewish people, when they come back home, they go, who are you? You guys don't look like us anymore. Now these are like, you know, generations have passed. And they're like, and so then the Samaritans, the Samarians, those people and this town were this ethnic group that most Jewish people said, they're not really Jewish. They're not these people. In fact, Sikar, Sikar in, in, in Hebrew, ancient Hebrew means drunken. Like, well, these were the drunken people. So this town used to be historic because before the Babylonians, are you still with me? Before the Babylonians, this town was very significant. This town was, the, 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 this is where Abraham came and met God. He was like, this is where he settled before he got Cana. This is where Jacob's well, as in Joseph and Jacob, they had history there. God spoke in this very town to, to people back before the Samaritan ethnic group was born. And so this was a holy place. This was a very significant place. But the Jewish people were like, no, 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 no. 
And so what, what, what basically it meant was that if there was all the regions of Jewish people, this town was the people who are hopeless, without hope. And then Jewish rabbis would do this thing that they would now consider them unclean because they're a different ethnic group, they're a mix, so they would avoid the town altogether. So when this Jesus rabbi goes through town, they're like, what are you doing? But he doesn't just go to town, what does he do? He sits down and hangs out there for a little bit, and then he starts talking to a person, right? So it was noontime, and then we jump into the story. It says, when a Samaritan woman came in to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And his disciples had gone into town to buy food. Now, John says that because he's like, this is a big deal, people. This is a big deal. It's a big deal. So he starts talking to a Samaritan woman, which you're like, okay, well, what's the deal with that? Well, it's a, it's a couple, couple things. Number one, she's a Samaritan woman. Number two, he is a rabbi. Did you know traditionally rabbis would, this is so strange, so strange. Rabbis would not talk to females in public. Some religious sect of rabbis wouldn't even talk to their wives in public. So a rabbi talking to a woman, especially a woman that does not have like, you know, unfortunately back in that day, a man right there would be considered what, what's going on, what's happening. So she is shocked that, he's actually, she's, that he, the rabbi, is acknowledged her. And then he starts talking to her and says, hey, will you give me water? And if you don't know the story, here's what it says. The, the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a what? Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Like, she's just clarifying this. You know, I'm Samaritan, right? You know this. You know this, right? I mean, I know you're a rabbi and all that, but you, you are Jew. I'm Samaritan. Why are we even having this conversation? And then she says what? How can you ask me for a drink? For what it says. For Jews did not what? Associate with Samaritans. So this is so interesting, isn't it? So here is Jesus, right? And he wants to interact with this, 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 this slice of humanity here, right? This woman. And it's so profound to me that you've got this, the, 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 the Jesus who gives rest, rest to the weary is now weary. Like, he's the one who is like, you know, he, he, he gives living water to people, but he's thirsty. So it seems like Jesus all of a sudden is like really honing in on his um, humanity here. Like very vulnerable to this person. Like it seems like that he started the conversation and the conversation was very much a, um, let's, uh, let, we're, 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 we're all human. Which I think... I think that's profound in itself that you and I have to understand that when we talk to humanity and especially those of you who grew up in a church culture, friends, I know church people and I know pastors, friends of mine who are dear friends, but I'm like, the way you talk, the rest of the world does not talk like that. Have you met people like that? Like, I'm like, you have a church language and then you have everybody, every language. Like, there are some things that are happening there. Like, when you talk to some Christians, they, you think they're superheroes. Or you think that they have bigger faith or whatever, and it sounds strange. But Jesus here, he says, uh, here's what, I'm going to illustrate what it means to have hope and be a hopeful person. I'm going to start with being human here. So let's just talk. I'm thirsty too. I'm tired too. It's hot. It's noontime. And then Jesus answered her. 
He says, he said, if you, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you, uh, you would ask him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you, where can you uh, get this living water? You are, are you greater than our father J- Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it it's himself? Did he, he did also his, also his sons and his livestock. So basically what's happening here is now this woman, now we don't know the entire conversation. We weren't there because a lot of communication is body language, right? A huge percentage of it. So we don't know what's happening here, but we do know a couple of things. First of all, she, he, basically Jesus is like, um, man, uh, yeah, we are talking, and I'm about to tell you and reveal myself to you. I'm just going to give you a hint here, but I'll tell you, when you, when you do find out, you're going to be asking me uh, for a drink. Like, it seems like Jesus in the conversation s- predicts the future. And I think for some of us, when we talk to humanity, when we talk to people who have no hope, we have to somehow predict the future for them. That we have to tell them, hey, you, I just want you to know that, that there's going to come a time that you're going to experience something that you don't quite experience right now. So he's saying, hey, uh, I'm just going to tell you, when, when you ask and when you get this, it's going to change your life. And then, and then she says, you have nothing to draw with the deep, the well is deep. Now, what is something that people would use to get water out from a well, right? They would have a bucket, and then attached to it is a what? A rope. What's profound, though, is the Hebrew word for rope is tikvar. As if Jesus was applying, I'm going to give you hope to draw the real water out. Because you think, I don't have rope. But it's the one, it's you who do not. And about to change your life. As if you're saying, I'm going to give you the thing you need to actually draw this out. I'm going to give you something to hold on to. I'm going to give you to, to have something to rest upon. It's so interesting what's happening in this story. Jesus is saying, I'm about to change your life because you are stuck in something. And so she doesn't know how to react to that. Because here's what's happening, right? What's happening is, is that she brings up this, oh, uh, our, this well is pretty big and pretty awesome and all that. Because the word Jesus used to, for living water is the same word to use as a fresh, like a body of water. So basically she is thinking, hold on, are you telling me that this well is not the place that I need to come to for water? Is there is another stream of living water, bubbling water? Because that's what he uses. So now she's like, okay, are you telling me this is not great and there's a greater place? What are you doing? So basically, Jesus is like, I'm trying to present to you something that is going to change your life. But she's still curious. She's still curious because here's the thing. The future is filled with curiosity, right? It's filled with uncertainty. It's filled with some things that we don't, know, don't understand, don't know. But if we have a, just a little bit of hope, we can move towards it. And so it seems like Jesus is like, hey, I'm going to give you this hope. I'm giving you something. I'm going to give you something that you can actually d- draw water from. I'm going to give you something you just don't have right now, and, and, and you're not going to understand it. And she's still curious, and she's still curious, and she keeps on going. 
Man, it's such an interesting, interesting story. So then Jesus answered, right? He says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will what? Never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a what? A spring of living water welling up into eternal life. So there he says, hey, I think you thought an actual body of water. Let me tell you something. I'm going to give you something that will, in you will have this stream of living water inside of you. Now she is so, so curious because then she changes her tone and she goes, what? She said, sir, 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 give me this water so I don't have to get thirsty. I don't have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say that you have no husband. The fact is that you have had five husbands, and the man now, you, now that you have is not your own husband. What you have said is, is quite true. So right here, we hear the story, and you might have heard, okay, that's the issue right here. See, the issue is that Jesus wants to confront her about her sin. But I think that God, Jesus wants to give her hope in despair. Because when we read this, you might want to go, okay, okay, so she's this woman who's bounced from one relationship to another, to another, to another, to another. But maybe that's not the case. Maybe the case is that she was a child bride. Because we don't understand that context, but people do. Modern day, even now, Afghani little girls They're like nine years old. And they're given, to, uh, given as brides to like grown adults, grown men. And, and nine's extreme, but the, the, the normal age is 15. 15-year-old women. I mean, not even women, girls. Given in marriage. Die because they, they, they have babies and they can't, their bodies can't even deliver the babies. And I have a 15-year-old girl. So when I read this, I'm like, oh my gosh. Like the life you could have, you could have lived, she's heartbroken. Because no little girl gets up and goes, I want to have five husbands. I want to go for, I, wanna, I want, I want the, the idea of a hope that I had Growing up, I want it all decimated. And I want to get to a point where I don't even, I don't want to even, I, I don't want to even think of marriage or family. I've given up on it. So what I'll do is I'll just find a, a male because it's a male dominant, a dominant, a dominant a, I can't say the word, dominant society. And I'll just figure out how to stay with him because I got to get somewhere in life. And I'll figure it out. And so I'll come by myself, not with other women, at noon, because you don't get water at noon because it's the hottest time. You come in the morning with all the other moms come, and all the other wives come, but she's not a mom and she's not a wife. She's like, I'm going to come at noon, because I don't want to hear it, and they're just not going to, they're going to avoid me anyways. And so she comes and she goes, I'm stuck in this pattern of life. And so when Jesus presents this hope to her, he is not saying, you're a terrible person, you need to stop sinning. He's saying, you have believed a lie that you're not important. 
and that life has told you again and again and again that you're not. But I'm going to come and give you hope, a hope that you need to survive, a hope that breaks you out of this pattern of being hopeless, of being alone, of being walking in, coming in, and just doing your own thing, and you're so alone. And that's why I'm coming to you. That's why I don't care what the rabbis think. I'm not supposed to talk to a woman. not supposed to talk to Samaritans. I, I don't care about any of that thing. That is all garbage. I've come for you. I've come for you. And I feel your weariness, and I feel you being tired. And man, I want to give you water. I want to give you a hope that it will break the pattern of life, of the, 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 the life that you're living right now. That's what I've come to live, to give you. So the story goes on and on and on and on, but let me read you this last passage of the story. It says here, John chapter 4, verses 39 and 40, it says, many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him. Who is him? Jesus. Because of what? The woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. And the better translation is, he told me everything that has happened to me. He knows everything that has happened to me. And so, when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Isn't that profound? Like Jesus comes to her and changes her life, and now people would talk about her, and now she's talking to everyone. It's changed her game plan. It's changed everything about her. Now she's the one testifying to what God is doing, and her story has changed people's life. Man, what would it look like for you and me to step into that? What would it look like for you and I to understand that that is the hope that God is calling us to? What would it look like for us to go, you know what? I know things have been, oh my gosh. I mean, can we just be honest here? I thought like, I thought 2020 was terrible. 2021 is a whoo-hoo. There are words I want to say I cannot say. Oh my gosh, Right? I'm like, the amount of grief and loss, I mean, some of you guys are having the best year of your life, I don't want to talk to you, but the rest of us, oh my gosh, oh, and you just want to quit praying, you want to quit believing, you want to quit, quit hoping, and for some of you, you've done that, and now you're in a pattern here, Jesus is stepping in going, okay, I want you, I want you to understand that you have hope, but also I want you to understand that you need to be this person in the story, because those of you who are listening, watching here, if you're watching this or listening to it later on, you, you're listening this, to this because you have hope. You're not hopeless. You are never without hope. There's something burning inside of you, and all you need to do is just, 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 just fan that flame of hope in you. And so what I'm hoping is, is this, and I'm praying towards is that you and I would go, you know what, we need to, regardless of our lives, regardless of all the things that happen to us, there is something inside of us that we need to fan into flame. And you might think, no, 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 man, I, it's out. The flame is out. Like I used to be, oh, whoa, whoa, oh, it's, it's over. It's over, it's not happening. Now, if you're listening and watching, it's not over because you're still here. So something can change. Something small, insignificant, that seems to be just out, can still make a difference. Case in point, really quick. 
great. We had this event last night, but we've also had an event like in the summer, and it was like a movie night, and we had like fire uh, pits and all that, and we were like, oh, this is going to be great. People came out. We watched the movie. At the end of the, at the, end of the night, um, Pastor Mike, who's in charge of all the logistics, and if he feels, if you, in, at some point in the story, you're going to like, you just threw him under the bus? Uh, yes, I did. No, okay. okay, because it's hilarious. So at some point, he was cleaning up, and he's the last person to leave. He cleans up. He sets up. He does amazing things. And so he's like, okay, I've got to figure out this fire pit situation. So there's a dumpster. I don't know if you guys know this. There's a dumpster. This is the Hope Center. Uh, there's a dumpster right back there. It's the dumpster for the entire shopping complex, uh, business park here. It's a huge, huge dumpster. Okay? Uh, and if you don't see it, it's probably because of us that you don't have it anymore. But there's a dumpster there. And so Pastor Mike thought, you know what? The fire's out. It's all good. I'm going to take this and just put the, the just, a, just a random, you know, the, just coals and just wood and just stuff into the dumpster. And everything is good. Okay, so he dumps it. It's all good. It's, it's a little smoke, but that's all good. And we're talking, hanging out. And all of a sudden, there's video online, friends, of this. And I will post it on my Instagram. There is a huge dumpster fire, like mountain of like 20 feet 40 feet, it's just raging. We are running, getting all the stuff that we could get here to shut it, shut it off. Someone's, we called 911. I mean, oh my gosh, two trucks came out. They brought the ladder. They were posing it down, the whole thing. And I couldn't believe it. People are laughing. They're like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. I'm like, no, it's not awesome. It's not awesome. Okay? Because this is not, it's not contained. And I'm like, I, so I gotta go to Mike and I'm like, hey man, what, what, so what happened here? See, Mike, you're confusing me because, see, this, that's my job. I do, I do things like this. Like, right? I do things like that. You don't. Like, that's why you're, yeah, that's why you're smart. Like, I, I do dumb things like that. You, you, you know better. You know better. And you're just trying to be like me, apparently, or something. But, but oh, my God. He, thought, he said, I thought it was out. I thought it was out. I thought it was out. I didn't know. I didn't know. I wonder if your hope is like that. I think maybe you think it's out. It's out. It's out. This is what uh, Paul said to Peter, um, said to Timothy. He said, for this reason, he said, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is what? In you, through the laying on of my hands. See, There's, a, there's hope inside of you. And all we need to do is to fan it into flame. And when you and I fan it into flame, you will fan it into faith. And it will begin to do something. So what would it look like for you and I to do this? What would it look like for you to go, okay, what can I do to fan into flame the hope that's already in me? Because God has put eternity in your hearts. What does it look like for you to stop all the noise for just a minute and go, I dream of a better future for not just me, but for this person. To stop and have a conversation with someone, look them in the eyes and go, I know you are going through hell right now, but I see it ending. You don't have to, but I see it ending. I, I know you're in a place that's, that's, that's helpless, but, uh, but you're not hopeless. I will do something. 
You know, there's an amazing story that we heard. Um, Chris Miller and Meredith Miller are part of our church, and Chris Miller's uh, co-worker was running a marathon in Afghanistan, which, you know, obviously everybody does, okay? So several years ago, and uh, met a family there and uh, kept in touch with them. And just recently, with the Taliban coming into Afghanistan, they reconnected and realized that it was getting bad for the family. And so he, he just felt that he needed to do something. And so he was able to, ask, in fact, rescue them, get them out of Afghanistan. And now they're in, like, in, in St. Louis, Louis, Missouri, a mom and two little girls. And now has provided a family for them and now is working towards, working towards helping them assimilate, helping them go get into school and rescuing these two little girls. And I just want to tell you, that is being a voice of hope. That is what it means to be a hope dealer in a sense. That's what it means to go, I have this hope and there are people who are helpless. I can give them some hope. I can go and provide something for them. And so as you hear that story, I'm like, this is awesome. This is great for a person to just go, you know what, maybe I can help. I don't know this family that much, but if we stay connected, maybe I can rescue too. Maybe I can help too. What can you do? Which, by the way, they are, they are raising funds for them uh, because they have to stay here and trying to sustain them. Um, and, I mean, I, I'm just grateful for people who allow refugees in. I was one, and so I'm grateful for that. Uh, but if you want to give towards that family because they're trying to raise money for their, for their education, just, just info at Mosaic Church. Just email us, and we'll give that information to you how we can directly give to them. Info at mosaicchurch.tv. Okay? But let's, let's think about this. What about your life? What about uh, the people around you? Is there some place that you're like going and going, thinking, oh my gosh, I, uh, maybe I can help. You see, the best place to help is when you look at a place and you look at people and you go, just because of who they are and the, the, the life they're living right now and maybe, maybe their re- lack of resources, they seem helpless in a sense. Like they just need some help. If you help, you will give them hope. If you just help, you will give them hope. So what does it look like for us to do that? I pray that God would give you um, like ideas, dreams, visions of what to do and where to go. Where to uh, go and sit and who to talk to. Because there are people in our lives that seem that no one cares, no one wants to talk to them, and everyone is avoiding them. So I want to do this. I want to pray for us, and then um, we'll respond together, okay? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this conversation, and I pray right now um, that you would do something unique um, in this moment. God, on, on, in this conversation, God, I, just, I pray by the power of your Spirit, you would um, call to memory people in our lives, God, for some people, I, I just pray for faces to just kind of pop up. They, 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 a face shows up in their life, and they go, okay, this person. In their mind's eye, God, they, they think of a conversation. They, they, they're prompted. There's, some, there's, there's a need. There's, a, there's, there's something, someone. But right now, God, I know that when we just stop and pause, We don't just stop the present. When we stop and pause, we we create the future. We see it. So God, show us what hope 
looks like. Because the world needs a future. The world needs hope. And God, we are people who've called to be the voice of hope. So God, help us. Show us in the midst of this dark times that we're in. What does it mean to not lose hope, but to give it away? God, what does it look like for us to do that? Father, I pray. I pray. God, let us be the light in this world. Let your prayer come true. God, when you looked at us, you, you said, I see something. I see something in the future. I see, I see a church that's like a city, a city of light on a hilltop. It's not, it's not hidden. No, no, it's, it's a light in a hilltop. It's put itself in a place strategically to bring light to any and all people. God, what does it look like for us to be strategic in that sense? Where do we need to sit? Who do we need to talk to? Who are the people in our lives that seem just marginalized? God, help us. God, as we go to the cross, as we go light a candle for some of us, we receive communion during this last song. God, help us respond. Let us see what you're showing us in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from Mosaic Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more audio and video content, visit us at mosaicchurch.tv.